4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. All right, hour two, live at Golden Circle, Sportswick and Bar inside Treasure Island. Cool place to hang out at. 55 TVs? Yes. Someone may have gone around the room and counted them. Me. Sportsbook here. If the sportsbook is closed, they got 24-7 kiosk. So you can bet anytime. And I believe the restaurant and bar have, uh, at least the bar is now 24-7, which, my God, bring that back everywhere. Right? But for now, hey, this is one of the places. Easy parking. East side or west side, you come over. Especially off of Spring Mountain, Mel Torme, you park in the garage. Parking's free. Valet is free. What? In Vegas? Yeah, they still do old Vegas. Willie's here. It's Cofield. All right. Take a deep breath. We did two hours already. We did uh, two to three NAVJs in town. Yeah. And we did a gambling roundtable. And then uh, Willie's been here with us the last hour with Xavier Pope, one of our regulars. Arash, one of our regulars. Good to see those guys. I, this is my first time down here in a long time, and I, I'm excited for uh, the Friday show, the Saturday show, the the layout. Like you said, I mean, because there is, there's really never any, there's been anything like a Las Vegas sports book on a Saturday and Sunday morning, Friday night, right? Back in the day when it was the perforated parlay cards and you're all huddled around and you go to the sports book bar that's right near the book and kind of has that cozy feel to it so so yesterday we're hanging out at our thursday home silver sevens and a guy comes up and he's got a bo jackson jersey on and he's whispering to jvt he's like lay the points and the over easy that was 27 11 slam dunk over raiders cover and what Raiders fans had to love, and I don't think this is going to be the case all year, but what they had to love is right out of the gates with Jarrett Stidham, a quarterback, what do they do, Willie? Go up top. Yep. Turn to vertical. Go and, up top. And, and there was a purpose. Yep, go up top. Um, Q, along with the rest of the media today, had this question for Josh McDaniels and his media availability. That first play of the game, Jarrett Stidham attempted to go deep. Was that your uh, tip of the cap to Cliff Branch? Cliff Branch and Mr. Davis. That was a staple. Uh, Cliff was a fast guy, obviously made a, a bunch of uh, big plays in his career, big important plays and big important games. And that's why he's going into the Hall of Fame here, uh, you know, tomorrow. And I know Mr. Davis, uh, both Mr. Davises uh, are big fans of the long ball. So, yes, that was uh, a note to the Raiders, uh, Cliff Branch, and the way that uh, Mr. Davis, uh, both of them enjoy that type of play. So we tried to, didn't go off exactly the way that we hoped it would, but uh, it ended up in our favor regardless. All right, so then play number two, and we're not going to do every play, but just it's a good setup. Play number two, Josh Jacobs, the starting running back, we're like, wait, Hall of Fame game? Like no one's playing four preseason games, right, except for the Raiders and the Jaguars. The starting running back is on the field – and carrying the ball. What? Interesting, right? Now, we just talked to Mark McMillan, who said, hey, there's nothing to read into it. A lot of people were reading into it, correct? Oh, absolutely. It was, I mean, it was all over social media. It was the talk 
I was asked about it today earlier. I did a spot on satellite radio. I mean, it was it was a conversation piece, and it and it still is. Obviously, we're talking about it, right? So it's uh, you know, it, it raises an eyebrow, but it. So you watch it and you look at it. It's like, okay, well, he's going to have a series here. Oh no, it's coming out for the second series as well. So two series is now both eyebrows go up, huh? So I mean, you know, we'll see what happens here, and uh, they, they'll come back home. They'll do some practicing, and then they're they're at home for their first official. I guess when the pre when everybody week one of the preseason against the Vikings, and will it be interesting to see who starts? I want to see what how Kenyon Drake is. You know, um, he was injured last night, and that was my sleeper. For the season, him and Zamir White, I, I, you know, had been saying, and I don't know how much to make of if, if the sign is that Josh Jacobs started and he played two series, so that means that he's a backup. I'm not going that far. Because I also said last week, I was like, whoa, okay, he's come out. He's looked pretty dang good at training camp. So he's come out. He talked to us, said he's put a lot of work into his body, a lot of work into sort of – Rehab, and when I say that, I don't mean that he was he, whatever he had going on. But what I mean is like just a transition, rehabbing his body, putting it through a, a different sort of process than the recovery, and building it back up for this season. Why on earth is Josh Jacobs playing in the very first preseason game, the Hall of Fame game, no less? Unless the Raiders have one of two considerations on their mind right now: a They expect this to be a massive backfield by committee, which would be very much in line with Josh McDaniels. Mm -hmm. Or B, if they're trying to say to every other team out there, if you want Josh Jacobs, by the way, he's available. Any shot? Is that what's being said here? They didn't pick out the option. It's it's very highly possible. It it really is. Here's the thing. Remember, Josh McDaniels comes from the, the coaching pedigree he comes from is so cryptic. You have no clue what the heck is going through that dude's mind. It could mean anything. I mean, so every little notion, sure, yeah, it could sure it could mean yeah. this is what he's here. He's on the market, but not only is he on the market, it's going to cost you because he looks pretty good. I don't think he's going to cost that much. But well, but what I think what they would like to do because here's what we have developing. Let me ask you real quick the, before, before yeah. you before you, let yeah. me let me throw this at you. Yep. Since you say it like that, I have said that I believe that they have gone to Darren Waller and said, "Listen, we have twenty-one something, twenty-one and change in million in our coffers. We're going to take care of you, but we need to get through training camp. We need to see who gets cut, other teams. We need to see if there's some offensive linemen out there. What if Josh Jacobs?" Goes for an offensive lineman, and then okay, we'll lock Darren Waller up. You read my mind. That's where I was going. I see it. Yeah. It was like a yeah. ticker across that, the board. Uh, that Jacobs could be used to get an offensive lineman. I don't know of what quality. It's got to be someone who's going to challenge for right tackle, challenge for a guard spot. Um, it's it's one game, and they had Brandon Parker switch from right to left. You should be able to do that if you're an NFL lineman. You know, if you're if you're a good backup tackle, you should be able to play both positions. Denzel Good played like every position until you know he just couldn't play anymore, and maybe he comes back at the end of the year or 
next year. But, yeah, I mean, trades in the NFL are not super commonplace before the season and during the season. But, again, Josh Jacobs is not their guy. Kenyon Drake is not their guy. Zamir White's their guy. That doesn't mean Zamir White's going to start. Brandon Bolden is their guy. So, to me, right now, the uh, these next couple of weeks, the offensive line is the biggest question mark. I think they went in with an open mind, like, hey, let's see what we have here. Maybe they haven't seen what they wanted. I do know this. It seems like they have some confidence in Dylan Parham, their first pick in the draft. Uh, here's McDaniels talking about the fact that Dylan Parham, like a couple of guys last night, played three different positions on the offensive line and, by the way, played some center. And if you listen closely, Adam Hill can be cryptic sometimes with his information, but Adam, you know, I was talking about the line, you know, across, and I'm like, oh, Andre James is center. And he's like, eh. Okay, well, maybe maybe Dylan Parham's going to actually challenge as a rookie to supplant Andre James. This was McDaniels on how Parham played. For a first game to play multiple spots like that, you know, I don't think Dylan was out of position uh, much. I think the calls when he was at center, I think he was doing a decent job of getting us headed in the right direction there. Um, his communication was was pretty good. You know, like like most rookies, you know, once you get into, you know, games in our league, it, there's just a different tempo to the reactions and, and some of those things. So he'll see that. A lot of our young guys will see how quickly they need to be able to adjust and react on the field to certain things. But overall, I thought Dylan competed hard, you know, played a lot of different snaps at a lot of different spots and, um, you know, gained some valuable experience that, that will make us better as we go forward. Oh, boy. You guys on the Daily Raider beat are going to have a lot of fun. And I'm down there, but, you know, I'm, I'm viewing the, the Raiders as a media person but also as a fan of football. I can't wait to see you guys breaking down the battle from left guard all the way out to right tackle. This is going to be great the next three weeks. Oh, boy. Who is going to write the story that's going to say, oh, here it is. And then McDaniels, in his Belichick way, ah, 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 and somebody's, somebody's story will not yep. be accurate. Yeah, I think someone's being brought in from the outside, and I these positions are very much up for grabs. Again, most of them are not Ziggler and McDaniels guys, so they don't owe them anything. Nope. You know, even with Leatherwood, like, hey, you picked him 17th, first round, and he's got to start. No he, no, he doesn't. He doesn't have to. It's a... It's a new regime. These guys, this is going to be a hell of a competition. A hell of a competition. All right. So there's a little hardcore on the Raiders. When we come back, I think the thing that went most viral was MD eating at the game. And I think it really ruffled Willie's feathers, the videos of Mark Davis eating chicken wings. I think he's pissed. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Honestly, I don't really have any opinion on that because fantasy football doesn't mean anything to me. Like, we're just trying to win games out here, and so I don't know who's hot, who's not, who wins, who doesn't. Like, I don't really care about that. I just care about whether we win. So, yeah, I have fun with that. Hang in at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company. Get them ready early, right, Bill? Get them ready early, Bill. Nine-year-old aspiring journalist asks about fantasy football. Belichick's like, don't care. Shoot him down. Train him. It's part of the job, man. Mold him. It's part of the job. Toughen up. Sometimes your questions are stupid, kiddo. Idiot. Belichick didn't say that. And I would never say that to a nine-year-old. Well, unless it was yours. That's why I don't have any. (laughs) It wouldn't have gone well for him. 
Soul Crusher. Should not have kids. Willie Ramirez, Cofield, Treasure Island. We're tracking uh, afternoon baseball, evening baseball. Last night, Raiders come out. 27-11 win, Hall of Fame game. A lot of positives, a lot of positives. We'll talk more about the O-line in a little bit. It's a fun game. Early in the game, they go to the owner's box, and our guy MD is eating some chicken wings. This turned into the convo of the night, the image of the night on the internets. Now, I will say, as a longtime Las Vegan, I embrace most things Vegas, and I become very defensive. So when I first saw it, I knew what was going to happen. Then, you know, people start getting after Mark Davis because of his hair. But I know when you saw this stuff, you're like, what is the big deal about eating wings? Yeah. I mean, the way you eat it, one hand, two hands. No, but like, it, like it's embarrassing to eat the wings. Right. Like I, I he, I, It's like I saw it, and I was like, that guy right there should be put on a pedestal. He's not one of these out-of-touch, dip-ass billionaires that have no connection to the rest of us. He's a ve- he's rich, really rich now. But Mark Davis is about as average a dude as there is amongst the owners. All fans should love him. He is the best owner, pro sports owner that's a fan of his team and the sport that he is in attendance for. He whether loves it's his the aces, he loves his guys. He loves, you're right. He loves his gals. He loves the WNBA team. He connects. Yeah. He and he spends money oftentimes like he's a fan. Yeah. Right. Hey, I want Becky Hammond. Million dollars, Mark. The players max at two forty. I don't care. Million dollars. And where does he go at halftime of the Aces game? Jet gets up from his seat, goes to the little whatever it's called, something club, courtside club. Yeah. What does he get? Whatever he gets, he doesn't bring it out to there, but he yeah. goes back. He has, like a nacho guy? Probably. I don't know. We're not allowed in there. But you probably get some. There's there's all kinds of food in there. You need, to do, an, you need to do an AP story on stadium food and what Mark Davis likes. Are wings actually his number one choice? I think it could be nachos. You think? I would go with chicken bites because they're a little easier to eat. And that's the other discussion. I think this, this actually, I am interested by this because someone threw me off. You know, you get all these... Uh, these Twitter tough guys and gals who, you know, don't put their name up on social media. And someone said that Mark Davis should lose his man card because he was eating a drum with two hands. And I was like, wait a second. What? You have to, you, you, so you have, for credibility, you have to eat a wing with one hand. I'm a two-hander. I don't know. Not that way. That would be impressive. I'm not a two-hander, but I, like when I, I'm a flats guy. And when I do the flat, I find the the end that doesn't have as much meat, dip it in the blue cheese, and then I I push or I push it down. Oh, so you do the new method. This I, is this is like the no. This has never been I, a new it, method. It's I'm not saying it's 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 new to much of America. The the one bite wing and ripping yes. all the meat yes. in your mouth. Yeah. Most people I don't think are familiar with this. There was most a people bar. are two handers when it comes to wings. There was a bar down on. Desert Inn in Eastern back in the day, there were so many of them around town. The office bar, and there was like one, two, three, four, five. And we used to go there after softball games. We play, you know, league 
Sea League, Beer League, whatever. And I'd always get the wings. And I'll never forget going there one time. And it was uh, for my old school Vegas folks where you at DJ Frankie. He was there. And he had invited some friends. I can't remember if they were in from the Bronx. They were in from Brooklyn somewhere. They, they were visiting. And they came to the game, came out to dinner. And I really wasn't paying attention because I was so into the wings. And they said, after when I was done, they were like, I don't think that we've ever been amazed in watching somebody eat chicken wings. There was because there's nothing left on the bone. Yeah. And but especially the flats in yep. pushing it down, dunking it, yep. and ripping it out, and there should be nothing left. So how do you do that with, with scalding hot wings? Well, by the time you get to the fifteenth one, whatever it is, it, they're not scalding. What do you do early on? Well you wait or you blow on it. But I mean, then the food's not hot. And we had this discussion last week. All right, so I don't there. want cold food. It's not well. First of all, if you're hungry, and the blue cheese should be cold, so it's going to. I don't want blue cheese or ranch. I just want the meat. This is my dilemma because you're right. I'm cheap, so I want all the meat, but I also want it hot. So I would literally have to come out with like little plastic gloves to eat my wings, and then people are going to get on me for you know again. That's a man card violation, apparently. Well, because now there's rules. No, how you eat wings? No, because two-handed or one-handed. When we went out last week for our business meeting, you ordered. I think 12, and you got six of one flavor, six of the other. I so did. what you would do is you say, listen, I want six of this. I want 12, but I want you to put them in, the orders in five minutes apart. So now you get the oh, first wow. six, then you get the next six. That's a high-maintenance order. It's not really. You're right, though. That would have solved my issue. Well, there was another issue last week, too. When we had Joey Chestnut on, do you remember I told you I told the story of where I had the, the wing contest with the wrestler because we were on a wrestling trip with – uh, for the school, and um, we ordered however many at a time, like 15 at a time, till we got to uh, 45 or whatever it was. 48 we finished on, 48 or 49, but we ordered them. So I didn't order all of them at once. We went order by order, so you could do that. You know, you just hit on something that was interesting about the, the two-handed versus the one-handed. Yeah, I never thought about how competitive eaters eat the wings. I'm going to watch a video here in a second. Um, Miley Schuyler is actually the best wing eater in the world. Okay. She's not welcomed in Shays, the Shays world of MLE. I'm looking at a 2018 video when she set the 30-minute world record. She ate 501 wings. I'm trying to watch how she's eating them. Yep, I, she is. She just She's going in vertically. Instead of holding it horizontal, and she's just ripping the meat out, yep. Willie style. Yep. That's how it's done. I didn't realize it. I can't do 501. In how many? 30 minutes? Yep. What did Chestnut say he did? Remember at one sitting, was it 495? I don't know. Yeah, he had done, but it, but, it, but it was like in a 12-hour spurt. Yeah, this was 30 minutes. Yeah, wow. she's, she's in the wing bowl, which is put on by WIP in Philly, and I don't know if they get the attendance they used to get. But they actually do it in the basketball arena. They get like fifteen thousand for the wing bowl. If you don't eat, but but, but Ch- I don't think Chestnut's in that one because he's contracted to right. MLE in the Shays. Well, it's a sanctioning body. It's like you know. And I, I I got I've gone on this rant a million times. This is like WBC WBA. They're denying us the you know the ultimate championship. So, and as I suggested last week, Live does need to buy its way into competitive eating and, and take things over. But that's a story for another day. If you didn't eat all day, maybe nibbled early on. Then maybe some almonds midday. How many could you take down? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'm not a volume eater. As I get older 
and Shabir. Um, I'm not. Just answer not, the question. How many can you take down? I don't even know if I could do more than like twelve. Oh wow! I'm so weak. Did you see the bowl of pho that I put up on? I did. I I ate that whole thing of pho, and for like the next two hours, I was like, why did I do that? And I used to be able to take down a bowl of pho like it was nothing. Never had it. And I, I worked hard at the end. I was the only one left in the restaurant, and the guy was he's looking at me like, will you please leave? You are pathetic. There were, there, were, there were small women in here who downed a bowl of pho. You fat slob, eat faster, get out of my restaurant. Okay, he didn't do any of that, but, but it, it, it was an effort. Now, competitive eaters are, are unreal. So anyway, back to the subject. Um, I was proud to see Mark Davis eating wings. Yeah. There, I, I, I really was. I, I think he connects with the average fan, and I hey, also, we, we all love stadium food. So, what do you, what do you, I mean, what do you want? You want him, to have a, want him to have someone feed him shrimp? Here you go. Here's a helper to drop shrimp into your face, Mark. Would you like us to cut up the, uh, you know, the filet for you? I also heard a conversation. Here's a tomahawk steak. We'll slice it for you, Mark. I also heard a conversation this morning in which... If I remember correctly, there was a little bit of ridicule because he was eating. Someone said something. He turned and reacted because he turned and reacted and said something or acknowledged somebody. So he was talking while he was eating. So what I'm guessing is that so if you're out at a, at a chicken wing establishment, there's no talking going on when the wings arrive. You're not allowed to talk with chicken wings. That's absurd. That's absurd. This is, you know, the, 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 way, the, way, the way Monday to Friday works on this radio station, the conversation in the morning is so inane and not in touch with regular people that we have to come in in the afternoon and set everything straight. We are the regular Joes. I don't, this frou-frou crap that we hear sometimes in the morning. I heard, I heard it all day. I heard the national people talk about it. You said Canty, the former NFL player, 6'7", 300 pounds. He was getting into wing-eating technique. Friedel, I think his name Nick is. Friedel, who's Nick Friedel. Nick Very good. He was talking about. The Friedel and Canty show. Yeah, he was talking about something today. It really hurt you, It really bothered you. It bothered me that it's not a big deal. Why are we? This is clickbait. Well, it, it's no, no. It's not no. a big issue. Talking, talking wings is an American topic. No, but. But, cra- but, Mark but cracking on Mark Davis yes. for having wings is so weird to me. I don't get what's a bit. And he's, he's the owner. He's in his box. What do you think are in those boxes? Food and drinks. That's why you like to go to the owner's box. Yep. Oh, I love stadium food, especially when it's like high-level stadium food. Yeah. Free. Right. That's where I will eat myself sick. There have been many a times back in the day at the old Sam Boyd where everybody leaves, especially after the Las Vegas Bowl. You know how much stuff is left behind, untouched, oh. and we're up there oh. catering? Slow your roll. And slow it down. Go clean the third floor. Leave us here on this floor, yep. and we got it. Cofield brought Tupperware. Let him load it up. <laughs> oh, I'll do it. I'll do it. Yeah, we, we, we're trying to figure out where, where, where to go on the Allegiant after the Las Vegas Bowl. Is that right? Well, because, you know, I'm part of the Las Vegas Bowl staff just for that yeah. one day. Yeah. So you're, you're part of the in crowd. We're scoping things out. Giveaway time, 364-1100. Over at the Orleans, we've got 7-0 Brew Oktoberfest. Four-day festival, Oktoberfest, 7-0 Brew Oktoberfest. Again, September 29th to October 2nd. Grab your tickets this week. Buy one, get one. BOGO, one ticket. You get one free. Code is BEER22, orleansarena.com. Call our 7-364-1100. Ari will hook you up. 
Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. You're live with the Fat Pack on Cofield and Company. I don't care if the sun don't shine. I do my drinking in the evening time when I'm in Las Vegas. You can sit in the sun and camp. I get my color. Rolling on. Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Cofield and Company were adjacent to the Sportsbook. Yeah, they got a Sportsbook here. That's why it's called Sportsbook and Bar. Uh, great bar, 55 TVs. We're here every Friday. We're also here on Saturdays from 9A to 11A with Willie and Gooch with Throw the Flag. So I think we're done for now. We might have to hit this again next week. The, uh, the national attacks on our guy Mark Davis for eating wings at the game last night as his team romped on the Jaguars. Eh, it's a preseason game. A couple of lifestyle questions for you. What did you give out at your wedding? Do you have to give the wedding party gifts? Maybe even fancy gifts? Well, it's tradition. I, To be honest with you, I don't remember. Um, I don't remember if I did the... Tr- the regular old the flasks, or if I did something different, I don't. To be honest, I don't remember. Yeah, that was two thousand seven, and the marriage didn't last. So, what do I know? I think. Uh, well, I know I was the best man at my older brother's first wedding. I think I still have the gift. I don't think I've opened it. Huh. He was married like twenty four years ago for, for for the first time. It's in my garage. Don't get. I mean, we don't need gifts. Seriously. Meanwhile. Do you think there's any chance? I hate doing this because we always bash on Mahomes, the wife. What do they hand out? Ninety-six hundred dollar invitation gifts. Are we serious? Yeah, the you know you get those boxes, or you see it all the time. The, they go viral. They'll be on Instagram stories where the bridesmaid gets invited to be the to be in the wedding party. They open it up, and it's all decorated nice. Well, apparently, Patrick and Brittany, their invitations included Rolex watches. Um, and this was shortly after the, uh, the 10-year extension. Um, but the invitation gifts are, I mean, I, I, I don't think I've ever heard of it. The, the, the Rolex watches were worth near $9,600. The Cartier bracelet that was given out to Britney's friends were worth 6900 So combined, $16,500. It's ridiculous. For the gift, for the Cartier bracelet and Rolex. I w- you know what? I think I'm... One, I'm convinced that Mahomes doesn't care, so he probably wouldn't have given the gifts. Maybe he does. Um, and as annoyed as I would be at Brittany, his wife, I think I'm more annoyed at the party for accepting it. I would never take it. I would never take a $10,000 gift. No. Put it to your, your – I mean, I, I know he's rich, but who cares? You know what? Take this and put it to your kids, your future kids. I think they already have one. The college fund. Don't spend it on me. Ah, oh, this whole crew. Not Mahomes, though. God, that annoys me. But I'm cheap. 
So would you, you take it? You're 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 a style and a profiling guy. Oh, I'm absolutely taking it. You are. <laughs> no shame. There's no. I mean, why? Why? Well, why am I not? Just I mean, I'm not. Trust me, I'm not telling a guy that just signed an Uber contract. Put it toward your kid's college fund. What are you kidding me? Whose wedding do you think will be more fun? Patrick Mahomes and Brittany Matthews, or what we saw with Sean McVay and his wife. You saw the highlights of Sean McVay's wedding, right? Oh, it was just rap, like hip-hop songs left and right. He's up there. I mean, they're coaches galore. Like, it looked like a very loose, wild wedding. McVay's. I, I mean, I don't even think there's a question, right? McVay's, because, I don't even know this, why I asked it. because this one, it, they're going to have fun, but it's going to be yep. very bougie. Gonna be bougie, hoity-toity. You know what it's gonna be like. In, uh, I'll you ever in. seen the movie? Yeah. You ever seen the movie Jumping the Broom? No. You seen the movie? You seen the movie Jumping the Broom? Uh, great movie. And of course, as I uh, Angela Bassett was in it, I'm trying to think nice. of it. It's, it takes place in the Hamptons, where a guy from the from the city in New York, and I'm the the um, the actors escaping me. Of course, it is. Um, he meets this this girl whose family from the Hamptons, and so the, everything's take place. So the whole his whole family gets flown in, and the car goes out to the Hamptons, and they're seeing this huge spread. And of course, everybody on the groom side from the sit New York City, I believe it's from Brooklyn. They're all ready to you know. Right. We're gonna do the electric slide. We're gonna do the this. We're gonna do the that and. She's like, no, we're not going to do all those traditions. We're going we're to set our own tradition of this. And, like, so the re- rehearsal dinner and temper start to flare throughout the movie. It's actually it's a pretty good movie. It's an entertaining movie. Pastor T.D. Jakes is in it. Anyway, it was like that. And it's very – she doesn't want doesn't to get too crazy and out of hand. Just wants it to be very, you know, a lot of, lot of bougie stuff in it. That's how I think uh, Pat Mahomes and Brittany Matthews – wedding will be up next we'll get a little more on the mcveigh wedding because that happened over the summer this guy covers the rams for the ap greg beecham and we'll get a rams preview because we're doing our raiders opponent previews all month from the back end of the season to the beginning this will be a game in early december the rams against the raiders a preview of what's going on right now in la especially with the health of matt stafford join the conversation on twitter at cofield and co it's time for Cofield and Company's Las Vegas Raiders opponent preview. Let's break down the Raiders versus the Rams. Damn. Ari going back to the uh, the old days with the L.A. Rams. It's from the Coliseum, 1961. I like it. Rams Raiders, December. We're counting down the opponents from the back end of the season. That could be a really big game. I think we expect the Rams to be in the playoff hunt. We hope the Raiders are with this division. Greg Beecham covers the L.A. scene for AP. He's up with Willie Ramirez and Steve Cofield here in Vegas. Greg, how are you? Great, Steve. I'm great, Willie. And I wanted to tell you guys that I I like sports. Sports are fine, but my true passion, my true love in life, other than my wife, is chicken wings. So I wanted to thank you for that segment at the top of the hour. That's my kind of content. I want to fire hose of that. Oh, I love it. I love it. Um, and I, I think it's the whole character of Mark Davis and his hair and everything. And, you know, he's not the, he's not the traditional owner. Like, like, you couldn't see Stan Kroenke eating wings. Like, I actually feel like someone would slice the meat off for Stan 
and, and feed it to him. So uh, that's, ex- that's exactly what I was going to say. Whenever people are making fun of Mark Davis, it's exclusively because of his haircut, not not whatever else he's doing. Chicken wings are just the Trojan horse to sneak into where all these people are <laughs> that's trying what it was. to get to, which is to make fun of this dude's hair. And that's, Brilliant. That's, that's kind of the price for being famous. And, you know, Mark should be getting credit for eating wings while wearing an all-white pullover. Exactly. That is a high, le- high degree of difficulty, you know, like boss-level challenge there. He pulled it off perfectly. So I give him respect for that. Listen, Greg, here, here's what I've come to learn here, okay, as your, your junior AP brethren here in Las Vegas. Ah. Anytime I see ridicule of something that Mark Davis is doing outside of, like, corporate things that have to do with, like, the Raiders and their – Whatever it is that they're going through. But in terms of just in general, if it's a personal attack, I'm 100% on board that he's doing the right thing. Absolutely. I, I, I was just thinking, I had an image in my head. Here's Mark Davis saving a child from the Vegas flood, but can you believe this guy's haircut, you know? That, that would be, yes, the, that's that would it. be the, the dialogue. That's it. How dare, he, how dare he do it with a white blazer <laughs> on? All right, Greg. Well, let's talk about uh, you know one of the big stories, and I don't know how big it is, but Matt Stafford's not throwing at camp right now. We're hearing about elbow tendonitis. So is this just uh, hey, you know, business as usual for Stafford? Or we got a serious injury here? It seems like business as usual until Sean used the word. Sean McVay used the word abnormal yesterday to describe it. He was trying to say that it's an injury you see more often in baseball pitchers than you do in in quarterbacks, and he has still hasn't said specifically what it is. But you hear baseball pitcher and you think, you know, ulnar collateral ligament. You think of Tommy John. You think of, like, you know, something that comes from the stress of throwing hundreds and hundreds of pitches over months and months and months. And quarterback, as straining as it is as a job, is not that straining. So it's, it's, it's definitely concerning at this point, but it's also hard to tell anything from the Rams and from the way that Sean dispenses information. He's the only one who speaks about medical stuff for the team. He'll often, you know, emphasize things that turn out to be not that big of a deal. He'll often underplay things that turn out to be a very big deal. He does that more often. So the fact that he's, he's putting it on our radar, I mean, he knows that we're watching and we see that, that, that Stafford's not doing the team drills. So it's obviously too, too early to tell anything. We wouldn't know anything in the preseason anyway because the Rams don't play their starters in the preseason. So we won't know a lot until, until week one of, of game week. He is still participating, though. He can throw the football. It's not like he can't participate. I think the question is just, the, the, the degree of, of difficulty and the frequency which, with, with which he'll have to do it to play an entire NFL season. So I'd say right now it's too early to say. What do, you know, you say they don't start, their, their, they're not going to have their starters playing. So it's going to be sort of unaware of what the Rams look like. But what do we know about the defending Super Bowl champ? What, what can we be assured of that this team is falling back on? Barring injuries, this is a good team because their core is so strong. They've had guys come and go. They've lost guys to free agency. They've lost coaches to better jobs. But their core has always been one of the strongest in the NFL, if not the strongest. And they've kept most of that intact. They still have an above-average, borderline elite quarterback. They still have two really good running backs. They still have a handful of really good receivers, although that's a little bit thinner with Van Johnson, with Van Jefferson being injured. They've got Allen Robinson now, who who is by every indication on the verge of a breakout season with the best quarterback he's ever played with. I mean, he's a, a successful eight-year veteran receiver who's never played with a quarterback better than Nick Foles, arguably. So he's poised for something big. And on that defense, obviously, they have three probable Hall of Famers, I mean, depending on how well Jalen Ramsey's second half of his career goes. Aaron Donald, Bobby Wagner, and Jalen Ramsey on the same defense. You have to fill in pieces here and there, but in terms of the spine, the backbone of the, Raiders, of, of the Rams and, and what they have to bring against teams like the Raiders and other teams, there's, there's very few teams that can match up with that. What do they do to fill in the two spots on the offensive line? 
I think they already have a pretty good plan. Uh, I mean, Joseph Noteboom is moving over to left tackle, as you know. He's already been there for four years. They like him. They like him a lot. He would have been starting already if they hadn't had Andrew Whitworth. And when Whitworth was injured, he was in there. In terms of right guard, they have a few candidates. I mean, it's obviously not the most the most vital part of the line. They're, they're good on both tackles. They have a, a pro ball alternate center in Brian Allen. And then once they figure out from uh, – there's, there's several candidates. There's Coleman Shelton. There's a rookie from Wisconsin named Logan Bruss. All of them seem like they can get the job done. So I'm not too worried about the offensive line, although there is upheaval on it, just because they've always figured that out before. And Sean McVay's offense is a good offense if you're a competent uh, lineman who knows his assignments and doesn't get overwhelmed by things to succeed in. So I, I like their chances there. I think they should be more concerned about injuries at skill positions. And they just hum along without Kevin O'Connell? Uh, yeah, yeah, they do. They they brought Liam Cohen back after a year away. He's a guy who has been on the staff for three years before that. I mean, this is Sean's offense anyway. He calls the plays. He he designs them. He gets everything t- together. And and Liam Cohen's kind of the general manager of the of the offense, just making sure everything's running well. So I don't think they'll they'll hurt very much from from that. They would have hurt more if Raheem Morris had gotten a job and they'd had to get a a new defensive coordinator for the third consecutive season. And since they didn't have to do that, Raheem didn't land a head coaching job this cycle. I think the coaching staff is arguably even stronger with some of the guys they added. So, Greg, i got to ask you, you know, obviously a lot of things going on in Southern California right now with the Rams in camp, the Chargers in camp, the Dodgers making some moves, and then all of a sudden, and I know you're always in Anaheim, you're covering the Angels, and that's that's been a story on, uh, also. But um, <laughs> they're going to be honoring – Vin Scully tonight before the game. It's their first home game. And I'm assuming that you're feeling that, you know, even in Anaheim, that's just, I mean, that's really been the big story down there this week. Yeah, I'm, I'm not from here originally, as you know. I, I grew up north of Vegas, and Jerry Tarkanian was my personal, you know, patron saint when I was a kid. But for so many people who grew up down here from, you know, the time the Dodgers moved here until now, Vin Scully is just an enormous part of these people's lives. It's just, it's just incredible how much he meant to the fabric of this community, the way he, the way he brought people into the sport, the way he just, the way he, there's been so many stories this week about people who learned English from listening to Vin Scully, you know, who, who, became, who felt like they became more of this melting pot of a community that Los Angeles is by listening to this man talk and the way he approached life and the way he approached giving information. It's just really, it's really amazing to me how much, how much people care about him and how much people love him and how much his passing has really hurt everybody. There's going to be a nice ceremony tonight at Dodger Stadium. There's going to be a lot of uh, pomp and circumstance. And then for the rest of the season, they're wearing the patches. And, you know, he'll be, he'll be first of mind every Dodgers game for the rest of the year. I'll be out there. On, I'm not going tonight, but I'll be out there Saturday and Sunday. So I'm looking forward to seeing the tributes. There are already some flowers up and everything. And it's just a really important thing to Los Angeles. In the same way that, that Kobe's death really hit this town, Vin's death has also hit this town in a real hard way, although he's, you know, he's obviously much, much more expected. But it's still a sad day, a sad month, and it's, it's going to be a part of the season for the rest of the year. So let's shift our focus to Anaheim. The Angels tie an MLB record with seven solo home runs, <laughs> and they lost. Just when you think you've seen everything in Anaheim, California. <laughs> Uh, you, pick, you figure out a new way to lose. I, I'm beyond, I don't even know what to say about this anymore when people ask me about it. It's just, it's, it, it, bo- it boggles belief. I mean, they, you hit seven home runs and lose a baseball game. It's just, how is that even possible? Well, the answer is that you have the Los Angeles Angels rotation and bullpen, where they're starting guys who, who should be in double-A right now, and they've got guys coming out of the bullpen who nobody else wanted, and they're pitching. So, uh, so many things have gone wrong that it, to, to, 
deconstruct it would take you into the into the next segment. But let's let's just say it's not a fun place to be, even though that team gets so much more fan support than it deserves, than, than the front office has, has given them justification for getting. Tons of fans come out all the time. They love it. And they don't even have that many bobbleheads or giveaways down there. People just come because they love baseball. <laughs> and it's just sad to see it. But at least they get to see Shohei Otani every day, which is, which, is, which is worth the price of admission in and of itself. Greg Beecham, AP reporter in Los Angeles with Cofield and company. Last couple minutes here. Let's finish up on the uh, Rams preview by the betting numbers. First of all, I look at the NFC West. Rams are plus 120 to win the division. The Niners are plus 180. I don't feel like the Niners are that close to the Rams this year. It's hard to tell. I, I'm not sure where the where the Niners are going from here. You have to remember, I'm, I'm a Rams beat writer, so every time I see the Niners up close, they look <laughs> like the best team in the history yeah. of football. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's the 70s Steelers, the 90s Cowboys, and the, and the 2010s San Francisco 49ers <laughs> for me. So I, I don't know how to gauge them just because they have, some, they have more questions than the Rams, I would say. And everything's predicated on injuries. But I, I, I agree with you. I think, I, think, uh, I think the respect that needs to be given there is, is probably reflected in that. But at the same time, I, I don't know how to gauge that. I, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm baffled by, the, by those Niners a lot. and I'm not sure where it's going to go this year. All right, so I painted a picture there of a wide gap uh, between the two teams for the Rams to win the division. If we were looking at downside for the Rams – to make the playoffs, they're minus two sixty-five, so two hundred sixty-five bucks to win a hundred. Is there a chance there's a disaster here and they might not make the playoffs at plus two fifteen? Absolutely, they have the toughest schedule in the NFL. Uh, you know, again, every team is only is only as good as, as keeping its key players on the field. Uh, a couple of guys get injured at key positions. There's definitely ways it could go wrong. I mean, uh, they they don't have a real great replacement for Darius Williams, their other cornerback opposite Jalen Ramsey. And if it turns out to be somebody who's not up to snuff, I mean, teams are just going to pick on that dude all all Sunday, all day, because they've 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 not only re- not replaced Darius with anybody from outside, they just brought back Troy Hill, who's still a, a good cornerback. But you know, I can I can see teams throwing for 400 yards against the Rams pretty regularly. That, that's hard to say with the, with the pass rush they have. Even after losing Von Miller, they're still a good pass rushing team. But uh, they could get in a lot of shootouts at some point, and those can always go wrong, as you know. They, a lot of games like that come down to the last possession, and then you're flipping a coin and. Whoever gets the stop gets it. The Rams got it four consecutive times on the way on the way to the Super Bowl last year. But you know the the, the Tampa Bay game could have gone wrong. The San Francisco game could have gone wrong, and the Super Bowl could have gone wrong. So I absolutely see there's a scenario where they don't make the playoffs if a couple of key guys get injured and they don't replace Darius Williams well. We started out talking wings. I got to close out mentioning weddings. We were just talking about the upcoming Mahomes Matthews wedding, and I was saying, mm-hmm. man, I don't know how much fun that one is going to be because I saw the McVay highlights. Holy crap, that looked like a good wedding. <laughs> Sean knows how to throw a party, or, or the people who work for Sean know how to throw a party. Let's put it that way, yeah. Yeah, he knows how to close it out. They were going to have it in the south of France before COVID, and they've been planning it for like wow. two years. That's, 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 the, that's the culmination of like two or three years of planning <laughs> by, by a woman who knows how to plan. Let's put it that way. There you go. Greg, we appreciate it. Always step up for us in a, in a good way. Thank you so much. Have a good weekend. Thank you, Steve. And by the way, that was definitely a showcase for Josh Jacobs, by the way. Trade showcase. Okay. Well, there, we go. there you go. Remember what, did, remember what the Patriots did last year with Sony Michelle? Same thing that, that uh, might be going on with Josh Jacobs right now. Nice. Just saying. First round pick going into his fourth year running back. There he is. Greg Beecham, all over our rundown. Paying attention to the show. Love it. All right. So we'll build on that in the 5 o'clock hour. Josh Jacobs played a lot last night. He looked really good. How come he was playing in a preseason game? Is he going to be moved?